Okay, wait. Hello, listeners. Hi, everyone. Here we are. It's episode 10. It's episode 10. We have recorded 10 episodes of this nonsense. I am thrilled. We are so strong and beautiful that we've been able to do this. Absolutely. We're both having busy weeks at work. And we're facing the things that scare us most. It's not like we come here and just vent about work. We do that before we get on this podcast. Yeah. I'm proud of us. Me too. And I'm proud of especially more than anything you all if you've stuck with us (laughs) through all of this. If you are not sick of this premise yet, thank you. Thank God. Thank you for that. We're having... Lots of love and excitement on Twitter still, at yes. I'm Horrified Pod. Lots of you have continued to reach out from all around the globe, which is super cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you guys so much. Every time we get a tweet, an angel gets its wings. And what really happens is we text each other yes. and send each other excited gifts. That too. But also the angel thing. So yeah, and if you if you ever tweeted us, you can ask to see what gift we're sending <laughs> each other. Honestly, yeah, I'd be happy to I'd be happy to show the message oh. I send to Allie. That's all exclamation points. Absolutely happy to share. Happy <laughs> to share. But you know what? In classic us fashion, we're not gonna have a good segue. We're just gonna barrel right in. Hell yeah. To our topics, which are the Magdalene laundries and bad celebrity tattoos. Amen. Woo. Sounds good. Sounds great. Let's do it. Sam, you were telling me something interesting a second ago, which a lot of our listeners might share. You have no idea what this is. So I have no concept of what this is or what it could be. You had to say it to me three times before I even had a guess. Right. Um, And what what was your guess? Something to do with Mary Magdalene? Or laundry. (laughs) Or laundry? Incidentally, it has to do with both. Okay, well then I'm a genius. A little bit. Baby prophet prince. And go me. (laughs) I'm proud of you. So are they. Yes. So the Magdalene Laundries are also known as the Magdalene Asylums. And they were... Still don't know. Yep. You still, <laughs> give me a ding when you <laughs> have any semblance of what they are. Asylum gives me a better guess that okay. they are some kind of asylum. So what they were were institutional workhouses that housed so-called fallen women, which Ooh. is old-timey language for women who had engaged in quote-unquote promiscuity, whatever that means. Mm. I assume in the olden times that was just like, I don't know, picking up your handkerchief too lustfully. Yeah, showing off your ankle, you slut. You slut. So anything that any man deemed promiscuous, which is everything, got you sent to a Magdalene laundry. Most of the time it was sex workers or specifically women who were pregnant out of wedlock. That was a big one. And so these women were kept against their will a lot of the times in the workhouses, and they were forced to work brutal hours in horrible conditions. So you think, like, oh, a laundry, like, that's not so bad. Yeah, like, just, like, washing and folding. You know, it's like a job. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is a job, but it's all day. <laughs> it's in terrible conditions. And it's, like, sort of like a tenement, basically. Oh, that sucks. But you can't leave. And especially if you're pregnant with some jerk's baby. Amen. Honestly. The last thing. I'm annoyed at my job where I sit at a desk all day. And you're not pregnant or confined to a chair folding things in blistering heat. Yeah, I'm neither of those things. Count your blessings. I really, I'm so hashtag Um, blessed. Let's move on. So you basically get it. Yeah. Great. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. (laughs) It's a shitty place, I should have guessed. Yes. Agreed. And we're horrified, obviously. Absolutely. So the laundries were primarily run by Catholic ordinances. Big shock. Uh, although some were owned by the state, um, but they were always 
religiously based, basically. Awesome. So, yeah, you can fully blame them. It's their shindig, and they're used to it by now. They're Mm. used to people blaming them for stuff, because they get a lot of stuff wrong. So, basically, because it was so Catholic, it really took off in Ireland. I'll get to that (laughs) later. Um, And the laundries were named after Mary Magdalene, obviously, or not obviously, Mm. (laughs) um, a notable sex worker of Christianity. Uh, Big ups to her. I'd love that to be a reoccurring segment. It would be, like, notable sex workers of Christianity. Absolutely. I'm sure there's a bunch. So, the first institution was founded in 1758 in Whitechapel, England. Mm-hmm. And that idea quickly spread, too quickly, I'd say, mm-hmm. uh, to Ireland, Australia, the United States, um, and Canada mainly. So, all Western or Westernized countries with Catholic footholds. I do want to say, though... Even where there weren't Magdalene laundries, there were many places where, quote-unquote, promiscuous women were just, like, thrown into a well forever and, like, left to suffer. That is not, like, they don't have the monopoly on treating unwed mothers shitty. That happened pretty much everywhere and still happens to this day in a lot of countries. And it's just so horrifying because, like, it takes two to motherfucking tango. Oh my god. Like, if a boy... In this time period, like, raped and killed all of his livestock, they'd be like, mm, you know, like, I don't know about that, but I guess he's becoming a man. And, like, if your daughter looks over at a shirtless farmer for too long, it's like, sorry, Margaret, we're shipping you off to Nova Scotia to freeze the <laughs> whore out of you. Like, I guess that's what we're gonna do. But bullshit. All all bullshit. Like, this this whole thing is just gonna make you angry at men, which it should. And men rarely come up. Yeah. <laughs> it's just gonna make you angry. They like, know no that they're boy. doing it. Yeah, no boy got shipped to this place to, no. like, press laundry forever. Oh you know? Ridiculous. So, before we even get into that. Yeah, I'm sorry um, to even bring that up, but I'm oh, mad already. No, I'm curious. Huh. Uh, so, the laundries were, as I said, kind of built like a tenement and kind of like a factory sort of both, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was run by nuns and sometimes priests, and as you were often there against your will, you didn't really have any rights, so if you felt like you were being treated unfairly or spoken to unfairly, didn't really matter, obviously. And you would work ridiculous hours, sometimes up to 15 hours a day in confined spaces, regardless of whether you were sick or pregnant. They did not care. What? Um, And the heat from the actual laundry that they were doing (laughs) would always cause the rooms to be unbearably hot, which often led to illnesses, fainting, and in some cases, like, workplace injuries. Like, oh. in your hand-caught machinery or something. God. Which, that's sort of echoed in normal factory conditions, things that happened during the Industrial Revolutions, but it's, like, double shitty because you're probably pregnant, mm-hmm. or you're, and your family just disowned you, yeah. and all this other stuff is going on. Oh. You're not, you don't even want to be there. You're not like, well, I gotta go to the factory. It's yeah. my job. You're, like, thrown into a factory. And I, I get to see my family for two hours at night, and we all pray together and then sleep in one big bed. Yeah. Like, you don't even have that to look forward to. No. I just went to the Tenement Museum in New York. Oh, so, cool. Um, that's looking rosy compared to these laundries. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's like, oh, 17 children slept in this one corner of the kitchen? Cool. I would literally prefer that to this. Jesus. Um, so... On top of the work, there was also, as you probably can guess, a fair amount of verbal and sometimes physical abuse occurring um, against these women. So one woman recounts, quote, I remember a nun telling me that I came from an illegitimate mother, and I suppose that's why you're no good, and that's why you're here. So things like that, like consistently shaming them and making them feel badly about themselves... Other women reported being hit as a punishment or otherwise physically assaulted, and there were even some reports 
of sexual assault on behalf of priests who were there or other men who came into contact with them during their time at the laundries. Yeah, fucking probably. Obviously. Obviously. Whenever we're talking about history, and also modern times, like, like you almost don't need to say that sexual assault happened. Of course it's, just it's like, happening. It's just it always happening everywhere. That's like when I found oh. out that, like, Matt Lauer had a button under his desk that, like, locked the door so he could come on to his female producers. Yeah. I was like, yeah, probably. Of course. Of course he did. Yeah, definitely. Did I used to look up to this man? Yeah, but, like, probably he did have that button. For sure. sure. Yeah, I used to, I used to love The Today Show. I and never, Matt Lauer I never was like, watched it. Matt Lauer, because, like, Matt Lauer was there. Like, he was through Kitty Couric and Meredith Vieira and now Savannah Guthrie and also Sweet Anne Curry, who didn't uh, deserve any of this. Anne Curry, like, we're here for you. But, like, he was the person who was always, always there, so, like, you loved Matt Lauer. Yeah, and he stuck it to Tom Cruise that one time. Yeah, that was lit. Yeah, throwback to our Scientology episode. <laughs> oh my god, go and listen to that, Celebrities um, in Scientology. But, like, yeah, I'm just never, like, oh, and the priests came and raped these poor women. Yeah, probably. Of course they did. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, it's like we don't even have time to get into that. Um, but we do. We're going to talk about it. And yeah. it happened. And, you know, that's part of the story. So we're going to own it. So let's get into Ireland a little bit. <laughs> um, so many it. places took to this concept, as I said. But Ireland was one place that just loved this idea. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they were super Catholic. Super angry at the idea of anything slutty, and therefore <laughs> super into it. Um, and they, so they started opening Magdalene Laundry is pretty much right after England did, which makes sense. They were right next door. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it was probably still part of the United... Yes, it definitely was still part of the United Kingdom when this started happening. Yeah. So, to my understanding, theirs remained open the longest. Most of the laundries in other countries either reformed and became more like poor houses or almshouses or things like that, or fell by the wayside by the mid-1900s, but some still existed in Ireland into the 1990s. Okay, wait, I'm horrified by two things right now. Number one, the mid-1900s, some of these were still around? Absolutely, yeah. In, like, America? I can't speak to that specifically, but yes. I believe so. Me. And, and then, like, and then, like, the 1990s, like, Kurt Cobain was alive and yeah. making music, and also they were Magdalene Nirvana laundries. was playing somewhere while this shit was going down. And I need you to wrap your mind around that. I cannot. Try. It's like, it's like, so my grandfather didn't know who his father was, was, like, born to an unwed mother. Right. And he was born in, like, 1902. So they used to tell people that he was, like, a tenant in their house. Like, he was renting a room from them when he was three. Right. Um, which makes a lot of sense. That, that makes total sense. This little boy goes to the factory and then he rents this room. But, like, thank God that this woman's mom let her stay because otherwise, like, 1900, she literally could have ended up in a motherfucking Magdalene laundry. Yeah, or in a mother and baby home, which is something that I will describe later. Ugh! Bad. Bad shit. But speaking of grunge music in the 90s, um... <laughs> Sinead O'Connor, do you know who that is? Yes, I do. Famous Irish singer. Nothing um, compares to you. Absolutely. She actually spent some time in a Magdalene Asylum in her teen years. Really? Yes. So she was 14, so this would have been 1980. (gasps) And her parents were kind of, like, concerned about her behavior. She was, like, shoplifting. She was kind of, like, a bad kid. Um, No shit that I didn't do, by the (laughs) way. (laughs) All things I was reading, like, oh, yeah, I did all of that. Um, I'm just glad that Susan and Dennis didn't see fit to, like, throw me into an asylum. (laughs) But, so she told the Irish Sun in 2013, quote, we were girls in there, not women. Just children, really. And the girls in there cried every day. 
It was a prison. We didn't see our families. We were locked in, cut off from life, deprived of a normal childhood. We were told we were there because we were bad people. Some of these girls had been raped at home and not believed. One girl was in because she had a bad hip and her family didn't know what to do with her. So that's her description of this place, this institution, in 19-fucking-80. Who thought that was a good idea? Who was like, yeah, that's great. Mr. That's and Mrs. Sick. Sinead O'Connor, which I don't think is her original name, but I why would know. they do that? But still. Um, so that's some bullshit for you. God. The fact that that was happening so late. And so another example of this in Ireland is in 1993. <laughs> we were almost alive. We were almost alive. Uh, the Sisters of Our Lady of Charity sold off part of their land, which was a former Magdalene Laundry, mm-hmm. to keep up with, like, rising tax costs. Mm-hmm. You gotta start selling stuff off when, <laughs> you know, when the 90s start rolling around and things cost money. Mm, don't we all, sister? When developers began to inspect the land, they found a mass grave. Of course they did! Of 155 corpses. <laughs> Sam's fear. I can't even continue. Sam's so mad. I feel like I shouldn't have been surprised. I know. Like, I was just so surprised and I shouldn't have even... I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't surprised either when I, I read it, but it was, it sucked. <laughs> um, a mass grave of 155 corpses of former laundry tenants. So, <sighs> thankfully, at least, at fucking least, this triggered a public scandal and a social reflection on Ireland's treatment towards the women who were marginalized due to sex work and out-of-wedlock pregnancy by these institutions. And in 2011, the Irish Times published an expose on large companies who had actually been using the institutional, quote-unquote, laundries, as opposed to, you know, private, like, for-profit laundries. yeah, yeah, yeah. To cut costs since the mid-1900s. Among them, Guinness and the Bank of Ireland. So large companies using this free labor, exploited labor, to just cut costs. So that was an expose, like a spotlight in Ireland. Um, but actual spotlight also happened in Ireland because there was a <laughs> scandal in the Catholic Church there. Nothing great happening in the 90s for the Catholic Church. And then circling back to what I had said about mother and baby homes, that reminded me a lot of a piece by Dan Barry that I read last year in the New York Times uh-huh. called The Lost Children of Choom. Okay. Choom, which is spelled T-U-A-M because Ireland. T-U-A-M. <clears throat> So in the piece, he charts the genesis and history of Irish mother and baby homes, which were Catholic institutions, ring a bell, Mm -hmm. uh, that housed unwed pregnant women, ring a bell, Mm -hmm. um, and offered them shelter in exchange for labor. And so oftentimes when the baby was born, it would be given up for adoption without the woman's consent. Oh. Yeah. Horrible. It gets worse. (laughs) Um, And other times, due to malnutrition, disease, or simply neglect from the nuns who were supposed to be taking care of these children, the babies would simply pass away. And then the women would just be tossed out on the street. Uh. So, like, primo bullshit. Are you kidding me bullshit? Um, And so this article, which is absolutely amazing, um, and as I said, it's called The Lost Children of Choom, and it's available you know, on the New York Times website. Oh I God. really, I will definitely link to it. Yeah, I'm going to read it. Um, it's, it is very long and absolutely engrossing. Ugh. The article charts an amateur historian, Catherine Corliss, in her journey to reveal the truth about the Bon Secours mother and baby home, which was the baby home in Choom that she lived near. And she revealed that in its years of operation from 1925 to 1961, 796 children had died and were buried in a mass grave on the site. Oh my god. Yeah. 
And she just, she just checked over all of the data that they had. And she just looked and looked and saw, you know, 50 children passed away from tuberculosis. And she was like, that was 70% of the children who were born there that year. Like, what is going on? She just went through, she was an amateur historian. She did not work for the state. She just went through and gathered all this information herself and published it. And the other thing that she did was she dedicated her life towards seeking justice for those children and their mothers and acted as an amateur network to bring surviving mothers and children back together. (gasps) Oh! Yeah. This woman is lit! She is incredible. Catherine Corliss, she is just an incredible person. And Does she have a GoFundMe? Can I I GoFund her? (laughs) I don't know, but she did, she was interviewed, I think, on some late night show to tell her story. So she's incredible. I'll definitely link more information about her, too. I just, nuns are supposed to be fucking cool. Yeah, but they rarely are. The Sound of Music lied to literally everyone. The Sound of Music lied. The cool nuns who just wear cardigans with little pins. Sister Act lied. How dare they? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. You're supposed to have the Lord's love in you, nuns. You hear that? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I didn't think I, an unbaptized baby, would have to be screaming at nuns today. But I guess I am. Yeah. And I'm Catholic and Irish American, and I am still angry. (laughs) Yeah. Furious. And I'm neither of those things, so your anger is even more valid than mine. Our anger is equally valid. Thanks, babe. Neither of us like this shit. No. There's the bullshit. Huh. So that's, that's kind of it. Uh, That's kind of where I'll leave it. I wanted to link between the Magdalene Laundries and the Mother and Baby Homes, because just common through lines of taking women that were inconvenient to society and literally just destroying them. You know, just destroying them, destroying their children, treating them as as non-people, just abandoning them emotionally and physically. And even if they were giving them this was this it was supposed to be a shelter for them. It was supposed to be a way to help them in theory. But it was this combination of families and the church and the state all working together to just like fix a problem when what they could have done was just offer compassion to these children these women were children so many of them were teenagers and so many of them had to turn to sex work because of poverty or because of need or because they had other children to feed and it's just it's absolutely horrible what so much of history has done to women in general and in this specific way of wielding promiscuity as this incomprehensible sin this this one unforgivable thing I mean, honestly, it's not the sole fault of the Catholic Church. Everyone contributed to it. It's the parents who sent them there. Mm -hmm. It's the state that was funding it. It's all of it. Yeah. It's the men who didn't try to claim that, you know, like, oh, yeah, I had sex with this woman. And that's, like, fuck mother and baby homes. I want for, like, a moronic 17-year-old boy who can't master, like, the pull-out method to be fucking locked up in a warehouse to do laundry. Uh, until he fucking dies. Like, that's what happened. Like, I want, like, a 15-year-old boy to do that. I don't want that. I don't want anyone to have to do this. It's just... But, like, it just seems... It's so unfair, you know? It takes two to tango or to bang, all right? And it's not that hard to pull out, Greg. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Listen to me, James. You heard it here. It's not that hard to pull out, Anthony. I don't know. I'm just naming names. (laughs) Finnegan or Finnegan. whatever. 
Fuck all men. That's what I'll say. Fuck all men. Fuck all men who fuck. But with a condom, so you don't have to be shoved into a Magdalene laundry. Oh my god. And fuck cultural attitudes. That's really even more the problem than the idiot 17-year-old who impregnates a woman. It's the world that's saying to him, oh, that's not your problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very astute. Do you want to hear what I'm cautiously optimistic about? What could it be? Yes. It's, it's going to surprise you, but I love it. Oh my god. So Canada's version of the Magdalene Laundries was founded by a woman named Marie Rosalie Cadron Jeté. believe that must have been French-inspired Canada, I guess. Yes. Um, she developed a network of asylums that grew out of her and her sister's compassion for unwed mothers. Mm-hmm. And they carried out their work discreetly as the public thought they were sort of encouraging the bad behavior. Mm. But the sister believed that the mothers would be left with no other option if society shunned them and would inevitably turn to sex work. Like, that just sort of seemed obvious to them, as it should seem obvious to everyone. (laughs) Because it is obvious. Um, But Marie Rosalie was the only one who fucking got it. So they wanted to help women avoid that, and they also tried to help them avoid the social stigma that followed them as unwed mothers. So they were actually compassionate towards the mothers themselves and not just trying to shove them away. Mm -hmm. And so one of the sisters said of her... When food was scarce, Rosalie would fast so that the moms could eat. She was fond of saying that single mothers are the treasure of the house. In receiving patients, no discrimination is made in regard to religion, color, or nationality. After their convalescence, those who desire to remain in the home are placed under a special sister and are known as daughters of St. Margaret. They follow a certain rule of life but contract no religious obligations. Should they desire to remain in the convent after a period... They are allowed to become Magdalens and eventually make the vows of the Magdalene Institute. So that is amazing. They can Marie stay. Mosley, and yeah. if they need, yeah, if they need protection, they have it. And if they have nowhere else to go and want to stay in the convent forever, they can. And I just, you have a question, Sam? Physical protection, not like condoms. I don't think that Marie <laughs> Rosalie had access to condoms. I don't think so in, either. That's just what I want to make clear. In what was this? Um, I believe the nineteen <laughs> hundred. I don't know. I actually have no dates on this, but um, I just want to make it clear that it wasn't like, "Hey, Sister Rosalie, like, can I have a condom?" She like, was basically not... like a primitive Planned Parenthood, <laughs> and thank God. What if that was like the history of Planned Parenthood? <laughs> Lord, also donate to Planned Parenthood. Yeah, yeah. everyone. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. I assume that we all have the same values. <laughs> So yeah, that's, yes. I'm, I'm glad to end on that because I think that's a really inspiring Me too. story of a woman seeing other women and offering compassion rather than judgment and understanding, you know, it could be anyone. It could be anyone in this person's place, but rather than shaming her and blaming her, actually giving her compassion. Yeah. And they were successful for many, many years. And that's what we should just do with like all humans. Yeah, I'd say so for God's sake. It shouldn't be that hard. I agree. So that Man. that's the Magdalene Laundries. Now you know what it is. Now I know what that is. Thank you for enlightening me. I really had no idea. You are welcome. It's extremely interesting, if not very upsetting. And I cannot say too much to please read that New York Times article on mother and baby homes because it is, it's upsetting, mm-hmm. but it is truly fascinating and it's truly a window into how close we actually are yeah. to so many of these ideas mm-hmm. and so many of these pervasive social attitudes yeah and, and also like how they linger now yeah. you know what I mean the kind of backlash you see against Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. the kind of backlash you see against birth control and choice and sexual expression mm-hmm. is echoed from this shit mm-hmm. and that's something that we 
as every society just need to own. I'm, and I'm glad you ended with Marie Rosalie, because she's lit. Because she's lit. That's who she, we should all be. We should all be Marie Rosalie, and not fucking... We should all be Marie Rosalie. This is hey. a song. Speaking of songs, Joni Mitchell wrote a song about the Magdalen Laundries. Oh my god. I can use that to segue. Perfect. Um, two of the people I'm about to talk about are also singer-songwriters. Does Joni Mitchell have a terrible <laughs> tattoo? <laughs> I, if, if so, I would never roast her on it. Oh my god. My topic, uh, a little bit lighter, we're going to talk about the epidemic of bad celebrity tattoos that is currently sweeping the nation. Uh, this is more upsetting than the thing <laughs> I just talked about. So a couple caveats. Number one, art is subjective. Just because I don't like that doesn't mean you don't like it, and that's okay. We can have different opinions. Boo. Number two, put whatever you want on your body. That I agree with. If you are looking at an ugly ass thing and you're like, I want that fucking permanently on me, then do it. Honestly, yeah. Go for it. Do it. That being said, this podcast is no fun if I just accept what everyone does. <laughs> We're not here to make friends. So This is not America's best friend race. It's just not. It's just I not. wish it was, but it's not. So let's get into it. There is a weird semi-trend that I have seen of celebrities cough, male celebrities cough. Cough. Uh, getting these huge, shitty, ugly tattoos all over their dumb, famous bodies. Mm, hmm And if you're a celebrity, your body is your job. Like, your whole life is about how you look. Like, for better or for worse. Yeah. I never totally understood actors who got a ton of tattoos. Not because I, like, I love tattoos. I think yeah. they're great. But it's like, if your whole profession is your body and being an open canvas, that, that just seems hard. Yeah. So it's like, A, why are they doing that at all? Mm-hmm. B, if you are a celebrity, you have cash money. And cash money can buy you nice, good tattoos. Yeah. That don't make me laugh hysterically during my lunch break while I Google for this article. Mm-hmm. So, like, why are you doing this? Uh, I'm going to talk about three specific men and their shitty tattoos. And they are both, like, men of the day. So I'm not going to get into, like, the Winona Forever tattoo that Johnny <gasps> Depp used to have. That's what I was just Googling to try to <laughs> bring it up. Yeah, and I'm not getting into Angelina Jolie's Billy Bob tattoo. Those are the two I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Wait, I mean, we can talk about them at the end of all this. But I'm just saying, like, I'm talking about modern examples. That's not That's not the forefront. I'm living in the now, Okay, is what I'm saying. We're going to talk about Wino Forever before this episode <laughs> is through. That's all I'm going to tell you. Wino Forever is my personal motto. But please enlighten me. So the first person we're going to talk about is Mr. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran is a singer. He's very successful. But he has, just his whole upper body is only ugly tattoos that are too colorful. And I think that's his problem is there's too many colors. That's what I think. So I'm going to reveal, first of all, this huge tattoo that covers his entire chest. No, it's a lion. <laughs> it's a huge lion face and mane. Oh, it's horrible. Over this whole center of his chest. Oh. It's not over, like, one peck. It's right in the middle. It goes from, like, nip to nip. The whole chest, this multicolored, attempting to be photorealistic lion face. It looks like you carved open his chest cavity and there was just, <laughs> like, a lion in there. Yeah, that is what it looks like. So this is what I find to be his most egregious, because it's so big, it's so prominent, and when he first got it, he told people that it wasn't real, that he had done it for, like, a, like a role or a music video, and everyone was like, oh, thank God, Ed Sheeran, like, that that huge, ugly fucking lion on the middle of your chest yeah. is not real. You're not gonna die with that on your body, thank <laughs> And then he was like, surprise, it is real. The tattoo's real. Oh, no. 
to me, this is his ugliest tattoo, but he actually has, like, a lot of ugly tattoos. I'm scrolling down to another one. This is Puss in Boots from Shrek. What? Um, and a quote from him is, um, quote, Puss in Boots relates to a song called Wake Me Up, where I talk about Shrek. So that's why he got, uh, the Antonio Banderas voiced Puss in Boots character tattooed on his body forever. Oh my god, it's not even, like, a fairy tale version. It's, like, the Shrek version. Yeah, it's the, it's the Shrek version of Puss in Boots, voiced by Antonio Banderas. I remember the scene that the (laughs) Shrek still is from. Oh my god, kill me. It's so bad. So I'm gonna just scroll us through a few, um, I'll, I'll post this on Twitter, but so he's got a, a... koala that's too colorful animal themes so what i find to be the problem with his tattoos are there's too many colors he has like a whole sleeve and it's just every color in the rainbow that is too colorful it looks like he did this with highlighters it does it really looks like he took a highlighter to his arm is that the fresh prince of bel-air yeah the fresh prince of bel-air logo was absolutely tattooed on his arm in bright green and bright pink I respect that one. <laughs> that one you like? That's a great show. Fair enough. Heinz Tomato Ketchup, he has that tattooed what on him. What the fuck? Why? Yeah, it's just, it's a lot, and it's his whole upper body. Um, his best tattoo, I will say, is the one that he let Saoirse Ronan give him um, when they were doing the Galway Girl video. Like, in the video, she's tattooing him, but it was real. But she tattooed on him Galway Grill, like G-R-I-L-L. <laughs> Instead of Galway Girl. And she's like, I did that on purpose. Like, if you're going to give me a tattoo gun and let me permanently mark your skin, I'm going to just fuck it up on purpose. That's hysterical. Big ups to Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> and now he has Galway Grill on his body forever with pussy boots and this giant fucking lion. I'm fucking horrified. Oh my god. Too many colors. It looks like a highlighter. It brings down his hotness about five to six points, I would say. Out of what? Ten? Because, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I would say out of... 25. I'd go 17, then, because this is a wreck. <laughs> right? Like, imagine, like, having a crush and him taking off his shirt and it's a huge fucking lion staring at oh, you. Oh, my God. There's a great Portlandia sketch where <laughs> Carrie Brownstein is dating a guy and then he takes off his sweater and he's got, like, an Eddie Vedder tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> and it speaks to her and she's like, you're perfect for me, but I can't do this. <laughs> I feel the same way. I love that. Next, we're going to talk about Mr. Harry Styles. Uh, formerly uh, of the band One Direction, uh, now going in his own direction. Do you see what I did there? Ouch. So, <laughs> Harry's are better and worse than Ed's, and here's why. Harry's are all, like, line work and black and white. And for me, if you're going to get yeah. a shit ton of tattoos, that kind of works better. It's a little bit more cohesive. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as like, oh, you took a highlighter to your skin. Right. Like Ed Sheeran's are. Or dark, muted colors. Like, I've seen really beautiful, like, floral work yeah. with darker pinks and blues mm-hmm. and plums and things yeah. like that. Or if you have a really bright tattoo, but it's just, like, one. Right. Right. You know? Not all over your whole body. Again, these are personal preferences. If you have bright tattoos all over your body, they look way better than Ed Sheeran's, and I think they work on you. Stop apologizing. <laughs> Read them. <laughs> um, Ruin them. But the thing about Harry Styles tattoos is that he has over 50, and they are all small and weird. Uh, you gotta go for it. You gotta just go for it. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, the opposite of Ed. Like, Ed's really gone for it, off the walls, like, doesn't work. But Harry's, like, it's, like, he keeps thinking, like, oh, I'll just get a little one. Oh, I'll just get a little one. Yeah. Oh, what if I just got a little one? And now he has over 50 weird little tattoos. Um, so there's a Refinery29 article that breaks down every single tattoo he has. Oh, my God. Including, like, where it is on his body. All right, let's go through them. My top ten Harry Styles tattoos. Give me out. The first two are on his um, right foot, he has the words, never gonna. And on his left foot, he has the words, dance again. Wow. 
Are those two separate ones? <laughs> yeah, I'm counting them as two separate ones. Good. <laughs> to get me up to ten. That's wild. He has the Green Bay Packers logo. Okay. This man from England. Why? Why does he? Good Good question. <laughs> Great question. Good question. He has one that says, you booze, you lose, and a liquor bottle. Is he, like, straight edge? No, I don't think so. Okay. So that makes a lot he of just, sense then. He just knows himself. Okay. Um, he has one, uh, he has a coat hanger. I don't have anything witty to say to that. Yeah. Because it's... Why does he, why did he put that on his body forever? Why did he make that choice? Yeah. Is it, like, a statement on, like, you know, access to abortion <laughs> or something? I would love if that was Maybe, true. like, a callback to our earlier segment? Oh my segment? god. There you go. Um, if that's true, Harry Styles, please make a statement about it, because I'll respect that tattoo. Right now, I just think it's stupid. Yeah, we'll, we'll reach out to him through social media <laughs> to try to clarify. What's the next one? Um, he has the words late, late, and it was given to him by late, late show host James Corden. In a similar vein to Saoirse Ronan. In a similar vein to Saoirse Ronan. That's the one I like the most. Okay. Um, in his left armpit, he has the word hi. So I guess, like, if you're with him and he doesn't wear a shirt and he puts up his arm, it says hi. That was a drunk one, I bet. I bet it was. So, like, I've never gotten a drunk tattoo, but I do have a facial piercing, and I was hammered when I got it. Nice. So, it's, I get it. And I, when I was in there, I was in a tattoo parlor, and I was like, I should really just go for it. And I think my friend Kim was like, you really just shouldn't. Yeah. So, I get it, Harry. I'm gonna let you permanently mark yourself in one way tonight. That you can take out. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Smart. Um, and then the top three are on his hips. Ooh. So, he has two large fern leaves kind of doing, like, the V-line thing. Oh. Which, like... He's not gonna have that V forever. Yeah. So, like, I'm like, kind of, like, fine, but, like, ugh. Fine, but ugh. Um, next to one of those, he has the word Brazil with a uh, exclamation point. Loves Does Brazil. Does he have any connection to Brazil, or...? I, I think his fans. He has fans in Brazil. Fair enough. But so that, just being excited about Brazil, is there. Yeah. Enough people commented on his Instagram, like, Harry, come to Brazil! <laughs> like, you know how they do? Yes. Enough people did that, and he was like, I Brazil? gotta give them some love. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and then his, the other one, on his hip, and this one's, like, the closest to his, you know, dick. Um, penis? <laughs> it says, might as well, dot, dot, dot. Oh, boy. Which is just, like, if you've gotten a Harry Styles shirt off and you're thinking about going to Dicktown, and you look to your right, it just says, might as well. Like, if someone's on the fence, like, they're (laughs) on their way down, but they're like, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) That'll seal that deal. That's gonna seal that deal. Um, I highly encourage everyone to go look at this article that breaks down every Harry Styles tattoo, but that's the top ten. And finally, we're gonna talk about the pièce de résistance. (laughs) In bad shitty celebrity male tattoos and it is mr benjamin affleck oh boy local boy we're from boston oh it's bad (laughs) you're showing me a picture of it (gasps) what is it it's like a phoenix Phoenix. and a hurricane and like a goblin yeah what is it so as um conchito versed the winner of the 2014 eurovision song contest once said he will rise like a phoenix it is a phoenix. Oh my god! That seemingly symbolizes his divorce from Jennifer Garner. Oh my god! He got it like pretty recently, and he was another one where like pictures of him were circulating the internet, and everyone was like, "Is that real? Did Ben Affleck get a massive back tattoo? Yeah, it's a, it's a tattoo that covers his whole from shoulder blade to shoulder blade, and then all the way down, going like below his pants line, seeming in seemingly onto his butt cheek, seemingly onto his butt cheek. That's how big it's. His whole upper back is this phoenix tattoo. Yeah. 
I'm staring down the barrel of it right now. Yeah. I wish that you could all be here with me. And and like Ed Sheeran's, it has too many colors. A lot of colors. It has a lot of colors. It's got like a teal orange thing happening, but then at the bottom it becomes red and blue. And it's just a lot. So pictures started circulating with him with this huge back piece. And people were like, Ben Affleck, what's happening there, bud? And he said, oh, it's for a role. And then they were these photos were taken at the beach. After he went in the ocean, very oh clearly, God. not a fake tattoo, a real fucking huge back tattoo, and the internet has been roasting him ever since, which, good, he deserves it. And he said it was after his split from Jennifer Garner. Yes, exactly. So he got it, like, very midlife crisis. His ex-girlfriend, Jennifer Lopez, was on Watch What Happens Live, and they asked her about this tattoo, and she said, quote, it's awful, what are you doing? And then she said, his tattoos always had too many colors. They shouldn't be so colorful. Oh my gosh, that's the <laughs> that's the legacy of Benifer. Yeah, that's the Benifer legacy. And then people asked Jennifer Garner about it. Not people the magazine, just like some person. Asked Jennifer Garner, like, hey, have you seen this huge fucking phoenix tattoo that oh your gosh. ex-husband got? And she said, quote, you know what we would say in my hometown about that? Bless his heart. Oh, gosh. And then she further said, am I the ashes in this scenario? I refuse to be the ashes. Good for you, girl. Jennifer Garner, after they got divorced, probably just got, like, a sensible bob haircut and took care of her children. Amen. That's the difference between how men and women deal with divorce and also just (laughs) difficult situations. But, yeah, it's just, it's so huge. It's so big. If you have to get a Phoenix tattoo post-divorce, fine. (laughs) We'll allow it. But don't get it so it goes literally shoulder blade to shoulder blade and all the way to your ass. Yeah. That's your whole back. That's the one thing we'll ask of you. That's the only thing I've ever asked of Ben Affleck and he could not give it to me. And I could have asked him for more, (laughs) for God's sake. Clean it up. It's the worst I've ever seen and I'm glad that the entire internet has roasted him ever since he got it. Ugh. I'm exhausted looking at these images. They're just heinous we don't even have to talk about wino forever i'm i'm spent (laughs) that is a great uh, google wino forever because it's a great story um and also just google angelina jolie and billy bob thornton's whole relationship because it was a ride it's wild she used to walk around with a vial of his blood oh great i'm not even horrified by that i'm just like (laughs) that's what that's punk rock you make chris do that right oh yeah for sure (laughs) yeah he carries it in like um like a little pocket watch. Mm, nice. Yeah. I was imagining like a business card holder, but it's your blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of it. Love you, babe. Um, um, and so, folks, I promise if I ever get a tattoo, it won't be my whole body in too many colors. I promise it will be small and tasteful. Or at least... You want to get a sunflower, right? I would get a sunflower or just like the sun. The sun you want Yeah. On your back. You told me that. Yeah, I think I would get it maybe on my back, but not my whole fucking back. Just part of it. Just part, just like a little bit of it, a couple inches of it. Something that said, like, yeah, I was in my 20s once. Yeah. I had $100 when I was 24. Exactly. Kicking around. Yeah. So I got this tiny tattoo. What of it? That's what I'd like. I always wanted, our friend does stick and poke tattoos, and I used to want her to, like, stick and poke me, and I think you talked me off that bridge. 
Not um, that I don't trust you, Leah, who designed our cover art. Yeah, she's but, amazing. Um, but it was it was because I very abruptly wanted it. Like, I had no interest in tattoos, and then one day I was like, I'm gonna have Leah stick a tattoo into me with a yeah. needle, and anytime you were like, you, Wait. Yeah, anytime you make a quick decision, I usually try to sit you down yeah. for a talk. <laughs> Just like, what is this? What is this coming from? Is yeah. this an emotion we're feeling that's leading to an action, or is this a chosen action? <laughs> and then I was like, Leah's moving to Seattle without us! Oh, yeah, we hear it. <laughs> Leah, we love you. We love you, Leah. We'll leave this part in. We're not cutting this out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't get a stick and poke tattoo from you as a reaction to how sad I was that you were leaving. But we do love you. Also, in Friendship Corner, um, there have been a couple of people requesting to be our best friend on Twitter, Fun. which is extremely sweet, but we should let you know that our ghost co-host <laughs> is our uh, roommate, Becky, um, and she she can't be replaced. She cannot. Yeah, she lives here is something that people don't know. Yeah, there's a third body here. There's a third roommate. Um, who just, like, sits in the living room while we record this. Yep. And then listens to it two days later, and she'll be like, oh, that was funny. It's, like, a very yeah. weird... Yeah, and we'll have her on, but you guys have to beg for it. Oh, my God. She... And she also has a topic that she bought a book about, and that's how well-prepared she's getting. So, on Twitter, beg for it. Beg for her. Beg for her. <laughs> so, there you go. You have some homework, and, um... I think and that's in... it. I think that's it for us this week, don't you think? I think so. I'll just say, like, if you were thinking about going and getting a colorful tattoo, like, just think about it a little bit longer. And well, that's I'll say, what I'll leave you with. Yep. And I'll leave us with, um, leave us a comment on iTunes. Ooh, I would love that. I would love that. We've read every comment on iTunes, and they've universally made us so happy. And we freak out about it. Yeah. All right. That's enough homework for you. <laughs> All right, everybody. Stay horrified. Stay horrified. <laughs> Thank you.